You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Lockdown Broncos podcast, your daily bite-sized podcast here at the Lockdown NFL Network, giving you the best news, coverage, and insight into all things orange and blue related. Hope you guys had a very awesome Memorial weekend. I know I spent some time as with family members. I thanked my grandfather who served, and he's still luckily with us to this day. And want to thank all the veterans who have served, those who are here and those who are no longer with us. We thank you for your sacrifice on Memorial Day, which was yesterday. Today, we're bringing you guys some Broncos action. Broncos week three of OTAs kick off today, and we want to obviously jump off at the start of the show by saying we want to thank our network sponsors, Grip6, Untuck It, and Hotels.com for sponsoring the network. Also, you guys can download the Locked On Broncos podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Himalaya Podcast app. So without that said, I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. Also, CodyRourkeNFL.com. We just launched the video mailbag series over there. Go over there and check out Cody Rourke TV. Click on the link and subscribe today to get access every single week to Broncos and NFL-related content over there through CodyRourkeNFL.com. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. And I'm joined today by my co-host, as always, the delightful Cameron Parker. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Cameron Parker P.O. Cam, we've been going through this craziness. We had bipolar weather once again in Colorado. We, you know, we just got done with major storm over here. And right now, I mean, when we're recording the show, you got a lot of sun right now in Denver where you're at, but that's going to change here for you very shortly. Yeah, hopefully, you know, as far as the, the weather goes, we, we can see a little bit of a change. And yeah, it, I'm, I, I'm trying to figure out, okay, are we, are we entering winter weather? Are we entering fall weather? Are we entering spring, spring weather? I, I yeah. I, so I'm trying to figure out as far as like, you know, where exactly are we in the in the seasons? Because it feels like we're, we're skipping like a few seasons right now. Well, you know, the thing I like about it too, Cam, is football is in the air because practice, we have camp here. So at the high school that I coach at, we have football camp starting up today. So I'm very excited about that to put on my whistle and hopefully try to get this uh, really bad farmer's tan kind of adjusted by, you know, obviously wearing shorts and trying to get burnt a little bit. You know, my Irish blood, I burn very easily, but football's in the air. The smell of the, the grass being cut. I tell you what, I, we were over there this past weekend kind of getting the field set up. And I, I tell you what, man, I love the smell in the air when the grass is freshly cut and that paint is lined up on the field. It is it is amazing. So football's in the air. And also be in Denver this week on Wednesday at the Rockies game. If any of you listeners are going to be at the Rockies game and want to say hi, just let me know. I'd love to meet up with you guys and, and whatnot, and we can talk football. But obviously enjoy the Rockies game at the same exact time. You guys want to listen to the Lockdown Rockies podcast. Jenna Garcia has you guys covered with the Lockdown Rockies podcast over here at the Lockdown MLB Network. But yeah, segment number one of today's show, we're going to get into some Broncos thoughts, a little bit of an update on the Chris Harris Jr. situation. Not much has changed. We'll t- kind of talk a little bit about that for a brief moment. And we're going to talk about how Philip Lindsay could be better in 2019. Segment number two, we're going to dive into the Broncos tight end position a little bit more, a little bit in-depth under the microscope, because not everything is what it seems. We see the three premier guys, and nobody's talking about a fourth guy. Who is that fourth guy that we're talking about? Well, you guys will hear that in segment number two, and then in segment number three, we're bringing back Twitter Tuesday. We got some questions from the Twitter community over there, at Cody NFL, and at Locked On Broncos for some Broncos-related 
related topics. We're going to dive all into that on today's episode of the show. So, Cam, let's get right into it. You know, a brief update on the Chris Harris Jr. situation. Mike Kliss over the weekend had reported that the Broncos and Chris Harris Jr. are closer to a deal, but the reality of that is they're in the same exact place that they were last week. This is just anticipation as the Broncos approach mandatory minicamp, which begins next week. We are in week three of OTA, so you could expect to hear from Coach Fangio a little bit today. I'm sure he's going to give a little bit of an update on things that he has, but like we said, he is on the football business side of things, not in the business of football. So, you know, that, that whole dynamic there is always kind of a fun thing to look at as we get more mannerisms from Coach Fangio himself, but nothing's changed here, and I would expect maybe something to get done, hopefully by mandatory minicamp camp which starts up next week and and here's the thing with both sides if Chris Harris Jr. doesn't report next week at mandatory minicamp if he is doesn't get that deal which you know nothing's changed it is going to be a pay raise that they're looking for it's not going to be a, an extension of years but more so an extension of pay and that's going to get Chris Harris Jr. back in a Broncos uniform just this year he's going to test free agency next year but you know I, if he holds out next week without that pay raise happening you know he'll start being fine but I, I believe at some point I think he's prepared to do that I I think he's prepared to sit out if worst comes to worst. But, you know, this situation obviously isn't getting a little easier as we go on. You know, the one thing that I, I have been thinking about in regards with this Chris Harris situation, if it's just a simple pay raise, that should be pretty easy to iron out, don't you think? I mean, if if, if John Elway and, and everybody else have been given that benchmark by Chris Harris and his agent that he wants to be paid around $15 million annually, wouldn't that be done already? I mean, as far as just a simple pay raise, it's interesting that I, I mean, at least by sure reports, it does seem like it's that it's a simple pay raise, but at the same time, it it feels like, well, shouldn't it have been done already? So it makes me wonder, is there something else going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't know about? And, you know, I, I, I usually go off of, Everything that Troy Rank told me as far as, you know, usually in regards to the NFL, the NFL is like a Kremlin. We don't necessarily know what is going on behind closed doors. Often, obviously, with social media, sometimes it leaks to the public, but we don't know often what goes on behind the scenes. But who knows? I mean, we, we certainly know uh, with the, the, the voice of the Denver Broncos on the report front, Mike Kliss, that it, it's an end up being a pay raise but as far as just the overall landscape it, it to, to me it just seems like man if it's just a simple pay raise then why is it taking so long well i think the the main holdup right now is the broncos have still yet to sign a couple of draft picks i am not quite sure exactly at the top of my head which guys they haven't signed but i believe there's one or two prospects left that they really have to pay attention to detail to i know that they got Justin Hollins, I know they had him signed. I know they signed Noah Fant. Uh, Have they signed Drew Locke yet? I'm not sure if they have or not. No, so Drew Locke still goes unsigned. Dalton Reisner still unsigned at the moment for the Broncos. So those are guys that they have to look at. Draymond Jones still unsigned by the Broncos as well. So at at this point, they still have to tie up those rookie signings before I think they can make a move in in terms to fluctuate some cap space over to give him that pay raise. I believe it would probably be coming out of their cash considerations, which every NFL team has a lot of cash space. 
space. That doesn't really apply to the cap space formula that we're always talking about. So they have some cash that they're probably willing to fork over in this scenario here. But yeah, you know, I think that's the main holdup. Outside of that, you know, like I said, this is more than likely Chris Harris's last year as a Denver Bronco. He will test free agency. The Broncos do have the opportunity next year at the end of the season to offer him a long-term extension, but he's going to listen to offers from other NFL teams, and specifically, you're going to hear some offers from AFC West division rivals. We talked about that last week, but that remains to be something that we're going to be continuing to see, and there are going to be some big-name teams looking to throw out some money for a very, very big name cornerback in Chris Harris Jr. So our other kind of subtopic here as we monitor the situation, we'll obviously keep you guys posted. Once news happens regarding Chris Harris, once the deal becomes official for a pay raise, we'll have it reported here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But one other element we're going to analyze here in this segment is how Philip Lindsay can be better in the year 2019. I think it's super important that people really look at this. And, and Cam, you and I were kind of talking yesterday on Twitter. There was a post on there. Joe Rolls uh, did a great kind of discussion piece on Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay the dynamic that they have and he posted this thing on uh Royce Freeman against the San Francisco 49ers and your response to it was you know the Spongebob narrative that he has no vision right because everyone's been saying that well Royce Freeman doesn't have vision as a tailback well that remains to be seen however when we talk about these two running backs are so different that's why I want to spend some time highlighting Philip Lindsay yes he's the dynamic guy yes he's the fast guy that will blaze speed past defenses make safeties miss etc you want that from him but how can he be better in 2019 Cam I'm going to give it to you simple. I'm going to give it my reason why. I think he can be a better player overall as a receiving threat because we know what he can do as a runner, but we we saw this kind of up and downness to him when it comes to receiving out of the backfield. There were times he'd be looking to get ahead of his route before he even caught the ball. He dropped the ball. There were some drop passes last year from Case Keenum to him that to me, I said, wow, if, if he would have caught that, who knows? The Broncos could have picked up a first down. They could have went somewhere else with it and they could have gotten you know maybe a touchdown. They could have gotten a big yard play. They could have moved the chains. So many what ifs when you go back on film there were a couple scenarios last season where I just looked at wow Philip Lindsay would have caught that because he was primarily the guy getting reps in training camp as a receiving threat out of the backfield and they kind of went away from that in the regular season I I want to piggyback a little bit off of that too because I think the receiving threat is something that was vastly unmissed and that was something that we really did not get a chance to see and to piggyback off of what you said I I think for at least for offensive sake, I would say that maybe the reason why Philip Lindsay struggled so much was because it, it just was rarely featured. And oftentimes, and really in any sport, if you have timing and if you have rhythm in any situation or any play or anything, you know, it, it certainly helps get the juices flowing. It helps the mojo. It helps everything else as far as the body goes. And the fact is, is that the Broncos really were, were utilizing Lindsey pretty heavily in the running game. And he passed with flying colors. Well, then it became, okay, well, are, are we going to start seeing a little bit more of the passing game? Well, when they did, it was at the worst possible or the, the, the worst opportune time. And, and Lindsey and, and Case Keenum uh, in particular, when he, was, when, when he would throw it, they just would not capitalize. The other point I, I think I would like to uh, like to make now, granted, I think he was really good about it as far as his size and everything else, but just as far as more consistency, and that would be pass blocking. I think for Lindsey, now granted, he may not be tasked with this because if he is that that scat back or or a guy that's going to be averaging eight to ten carries a game, he may not be asked about being a, a say a a pass blocker every now and then, but. 
I, I would just say as far as maybe a little bit down the road, I mean, clearly he has fight in him to be a really good underrated run blocker or sorry, a, a really good underrated pass blocker on this team. And I just think for, for Lindsay, that's also one area where he can just take that next step and be, should we say a very close and complete scat back. Well, my concern too would be obviously with his wrist when it comes to blocking, you might have to add some weight on because we, we know that the lower band wins in football. It helps to be durable and big like Royce Freeman, a guy who's bulky in that regard, but compared to Philip Lindsay, a guy who's really thinner, more athletic, more faster. With that wrist too, the, my main concern in terms of his pass blocking could be a little bit of hesitation coming back from an injury like that where you know you did kind of torque your wrist in a way where you know if you stick your hand out and you go to jam it underneath the chest pad of a defensive lineman, you could twist it the wrong way once again. I mean, that's simple stuff that we saw happen with Shane Ray. So for me, I think that this might be something to kind of keep an eye on. I know anytime an athlete comes back from injury, there will be mental barriers, but Philip Lindsay right now not experiencing any of that because he's doing a lot of the drill work, but he's not getting a lot of looks right now in the 11-on-11 stuff at OTAs. Obviously non-contact, but you know that's going to be one thing that I want to see once they get closer to the more physical portions of camp where they do have contact contact where he is going to be tested a little bit by defensive linemen picking up blocks and and how does that hand hold up how does that wrist hold up for him that's going to be the big question mark and we're going to obviously be monitoring that as we get closer but before we get into segment number two we're going to talk about the Broncos tight ends coming up in just a moment but we got to tell you guys about today's sponsor of the show our good friends over there at Blue Chew and they are so helpful if you were having a rough time scoring when you're in the red zone now this isn't just for any guy who's, who can perform. This is for any guy who wants to have the extra function while enhancing their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, as the wife says, Blue Chew can help you follow through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed to you in an online, and it ships directly to your door in a discreet package. So there's no more in-person doctor's visit. There's no more waiting in the pharmacy. And best of yet, there is no more awkwardness in waiting. They're made in the U.S., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly... They're cheaper than what a pharmacy would cost to be standing in line and to have that awkward moment of shame where you say, hey, I need a little bit of extra confidence in my performance in the bedroom. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners of Locked On Broncos where you visit bluechew.com and you get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. All you do is just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, bluechew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Broncos podcast. Okay, Cam, let's dive into the tight end position here a little bit. I know we did a position overview a little bit ago as we previewed what each position would bring to the Broncos, but I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the tight end position because I was asked a question over the weekend from somebody over there in the Denver Broncos subreddit about what how I see the tight end position really playing out for the Broncos. I felt like it'd be a great thing to answer here on the show, and, and we got to factor in all these little storylines here. Obviously, the addition of first-round draft pick Noah Fan. We talk about Jeff Hireman resigning on a two-year deal to stay with the Broncos. Jake Butt coming back from ACL surgery and making tremendous progress in his recovery. Troy Fumagalli being the question mark guy coming in who we didn't get to see anything really of him in training camp last year. We didn't get to see much of him at all because he sat out the entire season. He had that hernia, that groin injury, he had surgery on and then he, you know, now he's fully healthy and we're not really hearing too much of him right now at OTAs which is the weird thing for me. So the question I was asked was how do I see the Broncos tight end position 
really playing out? And do I see them keeping four tight ends on the active roster? And, and in all honesty, I just don't see them keeping four on the active roster. I see them keeping three. And, and it makes things a little bit interesting. So I, I think that it's evident, Cam. Like, we can speculate right now. For me, I think that the, the position camp battles that we're going to see... I think for tight end one, you're going to see Noah Fant going against Jeff Hyreman in a competition to see who's going to be the Broncos' first string tight end. And for that, I think obviously whoever loses will be the second string tight end for that matter. But the real concern that we have here is who's going to be the Broncos' third tight end. I don't see them keeping four. I see them keeping three. So that means there's going to be another battle at that position in and of itself. And so that's going to have to be between Jake Butt coming off of an ACL and Troy Fumagalli coming off of that hernia injury that kept him out all last season. They were drafted in the same exact round. What kind of dynamic do we see with these two guys, Jake Button, Troy Fumagalli? Because I think it's evident right now on paper, the easy favorite for the one and two position for tight end is Noah Fant and Jeff Hyreman. I actually would flip it, Cody. I to, to maybe go a little bit of some drama there. I would actually flip Jeff Hyreman and, and Jake Butt just because just because of the simple aspect that he played really well at the beginning point of that season. And the, the only reason why I totally understand and, and I, I, I won't, you know, argue with you or anything else. I just think that as far as a, a better talent, and maybe it's just cause I, I'm biased overall of the, the bulk and workload. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But bulk and workload of the, the stuff that I've seen from Jake, Butt, but, I just think that he's maybe a little bit of a better all around 10 end, but that's to, to but that said, I, I've said numerous times on here that Jeff Hyreman is a much better tight end than people give him credit for. But I do think that that butt in what he showed at the first part of the season last year where he was a huge, huge um, re- reliability of, of, as far as third, third down goes with Case Keenum. And, and, and arguments can be made that a butt stayed healthy that entire season. Case Keenum may not be on the Washington Redskins this year. The, Joe Flacco may not be on the Denver Broncos this year. I mean, it, it, there's a simple argument because there was such a trustability with with him and, and Jake Butt that, I mean, and, and also to go matters with matters with with Butt too. He was shining in OTAs. I mean, we're we're talking about OTAs right now. I mean, he was shining in OTAs. He was shining in training camp. He proved to be healthy. He's clearly got the work ethic and drive to to prove to the doubters. He said himself to prove to the doubters that he wants to make it work. I, I think for me, we may see a really good Jake Butt this year, barring, and it's a huge barring, what we see with that knee and, and with, with, with that ACL injury. Because, and Cody, you've experienced it yourself, it's a very scary injury. And it's a very scary injury. But and in regards with Troy Fumagalle, he's in kind of the same, we talked a little bit about it before the show. He's, a, he's in a little bit of the same boat as Jeff Hyman was at the beginning point of his career where there's a huge unknown because he missed a, a good portion of uh, a lot of regular season games. I mean, Fumagalli has yet to take a regular season snap. I mean, and maybe that's just the unfortunate nature. And, and he's also, maybe to use this as a, maybe it's a narrative that probably will be said a few times on Twitter, but his tight end coach that was here, that was his brother, there, sorry, that was his head coach's brother from Wisconsin. Is no longer here anymore. Yeah. So maybe, may, so so maybe, so maybe that voice, his his strongest voice, is in the room is not there anymore. And and I'm not trying to spin anything, but just the the guy that tried to probably pin, point uh, 
bang the table for him is no longer here. Yeah, and my only interesting angle on that is just the fact that they signed him on a two-year, nine million dollar deal. I know they they got him back at good value, especially coming off injury. Not not not, not higher, man. I'm talking about Fumagalli. Oh, well, you know, thing with Fumagalli though, that when I think about it too, is we we got to see a little bit in OTAs, as you mentioned. But the thing with him is that we haven't heard much of him right now at present day through OTAs. I mean, the Bronx have been going through their entering week three of OTAs today. We have not heard his name called that often. We've heard Jake Budd. We've heard Jeff Hireman. We've heard of Noah Fan. We've heard their names talked about and called quite often. I mean, throughout the throughout the media and throughout practice. But we have yet to hear anything regarding Troy Fumagalli, which to me is very, very concerning. And and as you said, too, you know, when you miss snaps in an NFL season, too, and think about it, too, the previous coaching regime that brought him in, they're all gone, too. As you mentioned, he lost his tight end coach, had familiarity with his head coach's brother at Wisconsin. Things are completely different now with this entire Broncos coaching staff. New regime, new tight ends coach, and Wade Harmon's a great tight ends coach, and I think he's going to get the best out of all of these guys, but the thing is, when it comes to competition, you can't play around, you know, it's a business, and, and these guys all understand that. Yeah, they're teammates, they're brothers in arms, but this is the business side of things where you're going to see guys competing because it, it does mean livelihood. It does mean next opportunity. And, you know, maybe the Broncos may look to offset one of these guys, Jake Butter, Troy Fumagalli, at some point down the road be depend- on a team that may need it. I mean, we're just, we're just talking about the, the Patriots, for example. I know the Broncos wouldn't necessarily want to trade with the Patriots, but they picked up Matt Lacoste. Benjamin Watson is going to be out the first four games of the regular season for the Patriots. So there's going to be some teams that are going to need a tight end. And I guarantee guarantee you Jake Butter, Troy Fumagalli, if it's between these two guys for that number three tight end spot on paper right now, then I think one of those guys are going to go to a team that could really use one. And it, it just might not be Denver. So we'll obviously have to see how that all plays out as mandatory minicamp approaches next week. The Broncos will be off for a whole month at that point. Report back for training camp and bam, it is football time and we'll be there up close and personal at the UCL Training Center in Denver for Broncos training camp coverage. We're going to get to Twitter Tuesday coming up here in segment number three. But before we get to that, I got to remind you guys that you can now listen to Lockdown Broncos wherever you go by just utilizing your smart assistant on your phone. All you got to do is say, hey Siri, play podcast Lockdown Broncos and it'll pull it up right away and it'll play. That way you can get in your car and you can drive safely to work without having to shuffle through the podcast section on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the Himalaya app. You can just tell your smart assistant to play it and bam, right to your audio, right to your device, right to your smart car. If you have your Bluetooth connected to it, bam, the Lockdown Broncos podcast is up and running for you you guys there. All right, jumping into our final segment here on tonight's show, we're going to utilize our Twitter Tuesday feature. We're bringing it back because we got some really good questions from some members in Broncos country on Twitter. We're going to start off with my man John Vogel, at John D.A. Vogel. He says, better chance to make the roster, Brett Rippon or Kevin Hogan? Cam, I'm going to let you start off with this one. What are your thoughts on it? As far as the opening day roster, I the, when they I think the Broncos themselves, when they went through the whole draft process, I don't think they never envisioned Brett Rippon or any quality quarterbacks, should we say, be available in draft-free agency. And the fact that they were able to snag Brett Rippon, to me, makes it seem like that spelled the end for Kevin Hogan down the line. Not saying that it's going to happen sooner rather than later, but I think there's a very strong possibility that either Brett Rippon is on the practice squad or Brett Rippon ends up being on the 53-man roster. Now, the one hesitation I have about Brett Rippon on the practice squad is he was paid a pretty hefty amount. And signing bonus-wise, that if he's on the practice squad, that's a pretty hefty bonus to be having there. 
So I, I, I think we very well could be looking at maybe three guys on that 53-man roster. That's not Kevin Hogan. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And my, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. My only concern, if you lose a guy like Kevin Hogan, I know he's a guy that doesn't, you know, he had his career in Cleveland and he didn't really look great in Spurs. There were times where he looked good, but it looked like he could have had a spark in him, but he's just not a long-term NFL starter. But Kevin Hogan, I think just having a guy that's been in the NFL for some years will be helpful. Now, to me, I just don't see the Broncos keeping four quarterbacks on active roster. We mentioned the practice squad feature there. Brett Ripp and the Broncos paid him a lot of money, six figures, to be on their practice squad not to I mean to be one of their undrafted free agents you only want a hundred a six-figure guy being on your practice squad I just don't think that's how it works uh, especially for a guy that you have a lot of high hopes on and maybe being a future long-term backup I'm not saying he's gonna be a future long-term starter or quarterback of the future for the Broncos in that matter but I think the the devil's advocate portion of me is going to say that keeping Kevin Hogan on the roster prohibits Drew Locke from playing in 2019 which is essentially what the Broncos want to avoid this year barring the fact if Joe Flacco were to get injured you do have a veteran guy, and I think they'd be okay with kind of letting the cards fall where they may with this situation. But for me, I just don't see them wanting to risk themselves being put in that situation where Joe Flacco gets injured, and then all of a sudden your second-round quarterback, potentially the guy you want as a quarterback of the future, gets put into the, to play when he's not essentially ready to. We've seen over the years how that can destroy a quarterback's confidence, uh, any player's confidence. I mean, they have an opportunity to break that kind of mold and break that stereotype that, hey, you know, I'm going to come in and I'm going to light things up. I mean, certainly it would be awesome. I mean, we were all very surprised by Brock Osweiler when Peyton Manning went down. He came in and against the Chicago Bears in Chicago, and you know, he had a, he had a great game, connecting with Demarius Thomas first drive, and was, you know, led the Broncos to some big, big wins, and so we started thinking to ourselves, wow, okay, this is good, but things didn't really work out in that nature for Brock Osweiler long-term with the Broncos, and I think that could have been changed a little bit if he decided to stay in Denver. So I think that maybe keeping Kevin Hogan in Denver this year just as that kind of safeguard, number two guy behind Joe Flacco, I think that will be a long-term protection on your long-term investment in Drew Locke. That's my honest opinion there. Now we're going to get to our question here by Mr. Joshua97. He says the consensus is that Elway is going to give Chris Harris Jr. a one-year deal with a big raise. I'm thinking that if by midseason or so, Harris is having a monster year, they will offer him a two- or three-year extension. Thoughts? I mean, the Broncos could do that, but I highly doubt that Chris Harris Jr. will accept uh, a contract offer at that point midseason, especially if he's playing really well, because he will test the free agency market. He will get big cornerback money on the market once free agency happens in 2020, and that's that's going to be something that is absolutely going to happen. And so I, I don't think that even if the Broncos decided to offer me two or three year extension to me the only way I'd see him signing it is if it was absolutely something that was groundbreaking to the point that most NFL teams would say we're not going to pay a guy that money and that's the only way I see that happening to be honest with you and so I think ultimately Cam and Joshua who sent us this tweet here despite Harris having a, a, a monster season if he does he is pretty much showcasing and auditioning for a job a big job and a big contract next year in the NFL for some team that's willing to fork out the big bucks. Maybe even the also the underlying point here is is say the fact that the Broncos have had even before Cortland Sutton's draft and you know the Royce Freeman's draft, they had a 2016 draft. I don't know if people remember that. And they've had a few contributors from this draft. Two of them are now starting safeties on their team and are in for a, a payday. I should say one of them probably a little bit of a higher payday than the other one. 
and that's Justin Simmons and Will Parks. They have to pay up for guys like Adam Gotsis, Justin Simmons, Will Parks, and um, and Derek Wolf at some point too. If they if he if they feel like Derek Wolf is is willing to retire as a Denver Bronco as well, and it's certainly the business side. We all want Chris Harris to stay as a Denver Bronco, but that's and also the quarterback situation too as well with Joe Flacco. We know that he. He had that extensive contract, that long, extensive contract with no guarantees. But we don't know if he's the long-term answer, or should we say the long-term slash short-term answer at quarterback. We know we know who the long-term is, at least initially on paper. But we don't know, if, you know, at least down the road, if they want to restructure his deal. We, we just don't know that. And that definitely makes things a little bit more interesting for the Broncos. I mean, they could decide after this year to be like, all right, you know, it was a great year, Joe, but we're going to go elsewhere. We're going to focus on Drew Locke. I mean, they could do that. I don't see that being the, the thing here. I think the Broncos' plan for Joe Flacco is a one- to three-year time period. And whatever happens in that time period will obviously set the precedent for what they decide to do, whether it's accelerated quicker with Drew, uh, Drew Locke. I almost called him Drew Flacco. With Drew Locke coming in for Joe Flacco and whether or not that Joe Flacco is the guy for two more years. I mean, there, there's all these different possibilities that we see. And and obviously, I think all that time, if if Joe Flacco were to come in and play really well for the Broncos, if he were to sit two or three years, and I'm talking about Drew Locke, if Drew Locke was willing to sit two to three years behind Flacco, I mean, I, I think he could get a lot of good value out of that, um, seeing how that goes. I, I think that's going to be something that... I don't know. It could be a realistic situation. But our next question comes from my man, Jedi Joshua 58. He says, hearing anything about Malik Reed or Sua Cravens like anything good? Question mark. Well, with Sua Cravens, he's getting a lot of work in with the Broncos at the safety position, also getting some dime linebacker reps at OTAs. One of the things, too, I'm not hearing a lot about Malik Reed just yet, undrafted guy. He's still trying to make his name be, you know, be felt throughout the NFL. I think best best kind of chance for him right now to make the Broncos roster would be on special teams. But then bringing back Dakota Watson kind of almost solidifies the fact that maybe Malik Reed will be a cap body for the Broncos. But Sua Cravens wants to put on 10 more pounds, wants to play at 235, which, heck, I think if he could do that, then he, he could be that guy that pr- primarily plays as the inside dime linebacker for the Broncos and allows Will Parks to kind of rotate to that safety spot. I mean, I don't know what Coach Fangio has in, in store for this whole entire Broncos defense, but I do know that he plans to utilize a lot of guys in and, and a lot of different ways, and he wants guys to be multiversal. He wants outside linebackers to be able to play inside back. He wants you know, free safeties to be able to play strong. He wants corners to be able to play in the slot. He wants his guys to be able to do anything and everything. Defensive ends to play defensive tackle. I mean, that is the type of guy we're dealing here with Coach Fangio, and so for I think for the Broncos defense guys like Malik Reed could probably fit in at some point but as of right now nothing is being talked about regarding Malik Reed and so we can we will obviously be able to see that as minicamp approaches us next week mandatory minicamp and training camp I mean these guys are all fighting for a job and especially if you're an undrafted guy the odds are against you and so for Malik Reed he's going to have to do a lot and, and there's some intangibles there that I think he can contribute but I think special teams is going to be the primary kind of way of making the team for him compared to anything else but Sua Cravens definitely looking for a bounce back year from him overall and Cam you know I'm excited about this as well because look we're getting closer to Broncos football I remember once the offseason hit and it was just a dreadful end to the year last year we thought about okay what are we going to feel like come May come June and and look we're here at May and June and I tell you what I feel pretty damn good and I'm super excited for what we're going to see in the next month the next two months and then look August comes around and and preseason is full on in effect and then bam regular season starts off in September and we're full on entrenched from anything Broncos related all year long 365 days a year because here at the Lockdown Broncos podcast there is no off season for the true fan 
off seasons are never fun anyways. And I know that as, as a coach, you know, the off season never stops as a player. The off season, there really is none. You get breaks, but you're still grinding. You're still working to try to fix things. And I know that the coaches, they've been nonstop. They've been working. They've been busting their tail. And it's a year-long thing. I mean, that it's really difficult to be a coach in the NFL. It's, it's difficult to be a coach anywhere because a lot of your time is devoted to your game plan and everything else. And so definitely applaud all the coaches that put in all the work. I understand that as I got to get to practice here in a little bit because we start off our camp straight off today before we head to Western University next week for another university long football camp. Very, very excited about that. But Broncos country, thank you for tuning in with us today on Tuesday. Hope you guys had an amazing Memorial weekend and we will see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos. We're going to be joined this week by Ryan Konigsberg of BSN Denver. He's going to join us for a little bit to talk Broncos.